With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I'm delighted to be joined by James French. And uh, we are here in the aftermath of the most recent transfer window. Uh, something told me it wasn't a good idea to go live last night because I didn't really get the sense that we were going to have anything that was going to put a, a real kind of smile on our face. It's, uh, it's one of these situations where we were brought in a couple of guys during January, James, and, you know, the frustration from some fans, not all fans, around the recruitment and the way we've gone about our business in January um, shouldn't be, uh, for me, a, you know, like we're targeting the players that have came in because we're not targeting the players. We're targeting the way we've gone about our business. The fact that we've come out of this transfer window without strengthening in key areas. Uh, you know, I said a few weeks back, what happens if Greg Taylor, Carter Vickers or Kyogo get injured? Well, two of them are. Two of them have been injured. What do you do? Uh, what happens when Joe Hart gets injured? You know, uh, we're going into the second half of the season with Scott Bain and Benjamin Segrist. So over the piece, James, we'll start off with our striker. He was announced late last night. The admin team on the social media channel probably had uh, a day of it because he didn't, he or she didn't post anything until the very last minute um, on advice. We are going to be in there at 12.45 in the press conference, albeit uh, via Zoom, to welcome Adam Ida to the club. And and that's what you do. You welcome players to the club. We're not having a go at the individual player, James. You've done a bit of digging on that player. What What is your take? What does this new striker from Norwich bring to Celtic? Yeah, listen, Adam Ida's would have been um, kind of a big name in Irish football in circles coming up through the underage systems and stuff. Um, would have scored, I think... 34 goals in about 64 games underage for Ireland. And 
I think he's he scored 22, 22 goal contributions in the Premier League too in about 30 games, which is obviously the development path for um, players over in, the, over in England. Um, so like kind of breaking into senior football at 17, 18, there was a lot of hype around him um, and a lot of expectation that he'd he'd kind of transitioned to senior football pretty seamlessly. Mm. So obviously he's six foot three, he's a big guy, like he's he has he's quick, he has some really good physical attributes. Like um, and I think over the last number of years he's obviously twenty caps for Ireland, he's usually experienced at international level. Um I think he's just probably failed to kind of um get the goals at senior level that he would have got underage, um, whether that's kind of Norwich maybe, um the way they play. Um, I wouldn't really be too sure on that, but I think it's more that he's just kind of struggled with injuries and stuff, um, which would have kind of impacted his confidence. Probably a similar situation to Mikey Johnson, like Mikey, mm. all the talent in the world, but kind of injuries and lack of confidence kind of made him lose his way a bit. So I think that's kind of a similar situation to Adam Ida, but I think he's probably been getting a lot of flack off fans on, on social media, um, probably undeservedly so. I think a lot of the anger is more coming from other positions on the park that we failed to address and just in general. Sorry, in general, just like a really poor transfer window. Um, but really, a, a series a series of poor transfer windows, which has built that frustration, James, hasn't it? Yeah, I think that's that's kind of fair enough. Um, but listen, you just kind of have to... He's obviously come in now, and you just kind of have to, to back him and hope he can score some goals up here because he's a hugely talented player um, who kind of may have lost his way over the last number of years, and his, his stats obviously aren't great. But he's a guy with a lot of talent, and he's he, people kind of forget he's still only 22 still really, really young. So, listen, I think a lot of the frustration and the anger is probably at, um, there was obviously reports about Sidney Van Hooydonk and how he was offered to the club and the club kind of opted to go for Ida instead, which doesn't make a lot of sense realistically because I think Norwich went and got Sidney Van Hooydonk with a loan and an option to buy. So they're kind of, they're kind of thinking long-term with that signing and we're kind of just thinking short-term with the signing of Ida. And Van Hooydonk's probably a guy kind of, even if you just ignore his last name, Probably a guy that's coming in with a bit more pedigree. Obviously, he had his, he had his breakthrough year here in Finn and the Eredivisie last year. Scored a good number of goals. Got his move to Bologna and Serie A. And then, kind of, he's, he's lost his way, but he struggles for games. Um, which is it's kind of the exact player profile Celtic should be looking at. Them kind of guys that have got their move, maybe have struggled and need a loan. And we get the minimum loan option to buy, similar how we got Carter Rickers and Jota. Um, so, kind of, the sign of Sidney Van Hooydonk would have made a lot of sense, even... Not looking at his last name, um, it would have made a lot of sense. But listen, I think we've got Ida. The window's obviously closed. And as an Irish Irish person myself, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say he's an absolutely brilliant player because he's, he's still a, a good bit of work to do. But I hope he can hit the ground running at Celtic and, and uh, really get his career back on track. It's interesting to get your take on that, James, from that perspective of digging into his progression from the underage football and international level through the ranks to the full national team and to the Norwich first team. I think there's a um, a tendency when you're looking at a player who you might not know a great deal about, you look at the kind of base stats and you think, all right, this is one of those non-goal-scoring strikers. Um, so it's great to get that that level of insight. Jungle Line comes in as well. I totally agree with this. You cannot blame the player for the board's mismanagement. I want the player to do so, so well as I do every time someone signs for Celtic. And I think that when you look at the, the different um, kind of stature, uh, physical presence of Adam Ida, it starts to make me think, right, and I'm going to come back to this because I've got this 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 chat around Kyogo and 
uh, Brennan Rogers. Um, it's something that's been going on, rumbling on on Axom all season long. Kyogo has been our talisman for two seasons, and I would actually say for two and a half seasons, because really it's Kyogo's two moments of magic in the games against Rangers that um, are the reasons for us being top of the league. If you really want to just boil it down to that, you know, everybody going on about his form, is not playing, um, or Brendan's not playing to his strengths. Brendan's coming out and saying, I've not told Kyogo to do anything different. We're definitely not pay- playing to his strengths. So I'm now looking at this situation, uh, and either either when you look at the, the physical presence, his aerial prowess, for example, you think to yourself, maybe instead of fine-tuning everything else to suit Kyogo, is Brendan Rodgers saying for the next six months we're going to continue to play the same type of ball into the box and hopefully we're going to have a striker who'll get on the end of it. Is that his thinking? Let us know in the comment section. But as Jungle Line says, you're not blaming the player. Absolutely not. The frustration over now four transfer windows, as I've said in the tagline there, um, is something that I've been pretty vocal about. I know that a lot of people disagree with that. But one thing I would say, it's not at the individual player. I want him to do well. I want Nicholas Kuhn to do well. And um, I hope that, you know, the, the players that have come in are of the quality that Brennan Rogers has been constantly talking about. If they are, brilliant. I'm not quite sure that was the kind of level that Brennan Rogers was referring to. Um, on the Sydney Van Hoydon thing, I've, I've mentioned this before. We, we basically asked Pierre, his dad, um, who is, is not his agent, but obviously knows exactly what's going on. And he said at that time, Celtic had not been interested. They'd shown no interest. There had been no contact whatsoever. But Sydney had to uh, make a move to try and refresh his career. It hadn't worked out and he needed uh, a move away. So, yeah, I agree. I think that even with the, the surname and people saying, you know, Yad Larson, uh, Jordan Larson or Sydney Van Hoydonk and Celtic together, it's the box office uh, mix. But actually, when you look at him as a player and what he brings to the table, um, I think it would have probably been a better sign. And however, you were maybe looking at it through the optics of, right, He's now Norwich City's first-choice striker. Um, Adam Ida was the third-choice striker. We've gone for third choice instead of first choice. We need to wait and see. And as Jungle Line goes on to say, first two comments of the day on YouTube, the young fella might work. He absolutely might work. And if he does, James, uh, after the six months, because, again, you sometimes look at a loan without that option at the end of it as being short-termism. Um, if it works for Celtic, do you think... That could be an option. Do you think we could go back to Norwich? If you did, what kind of fees are we talking for a player like Adam Ida? Yeah, so Adam Ida would have he would have only signed a new contract um, last year, four year deal. So um, I think there was talk of a six million pound six million pound fee for him, mm. um, which obviously would have kind of scared away Celtic a bit in terms of it's quite steep for a guy whose um, whose record in the championship is quite poor. Um, so I think, I think bringing that is is very much um, short term solution, and um, I think, obviously, if he's successful, which is what all Celtic fans would want him to be, that I think a permanent move obviously is now the question in terms of obviously we paid seven and a half million for Jota and, and Carter Vickers, but I just think he's obviously only signed a new contract last year, so I think the a fee for Ida would be quite steep. Um, mm. So yeah, I think it's it's very much a, a short term signing, and just just on his. Um, I know you were saying there, I think, uh, about Ida being six foot three and stuff, and is Rogers wanting a more um, kind of target man up top? Uh, 
Ida is in terms of his stats for winning headers and stuff. It is he's quite poor. Like for a guy that's six three, I'd nearly say he's probably better with his feet than he is with his head. Even though he is six foot three, just from watching him. Um, but yeah, I think it's definitely a, a kind of short term signing. Short term signing, short termism uh, being an issue. I'm looking at two transfer windows this season. Eleven players in, yet we are still struggling to find a replacement for Greg Taylor at left back. Uh, Greg Taylor's on the treatment table. I'm pretty sure they've got more than one, but alongside Cameron Carter-Vickers and Rio Atati. Um, and you ask yourself, right, 11 players in, the three guys uh, that are out, have we got players to fill their boots? If not, why not? It's not good enough in terms of the recruitment. And some people might think it's bold. Let us know in the comments, am I being too harsh? Should the last four transfer windows spell the end of a recruitment team? Let us know in the comments, just like Paul has. Paul Bunn, welcome to the show. The recruitment team won't be removed by choice. It'll only come via fan pressure and then begrudgingly. Now, I keep going back to the comment that was made to myself. What do you know about recruitment? Okay, I'm not a recruitment specialist, um, but I spoke you know, at length yesterday to JP Mason about this, whereby I feel that Celtic should have the best recruitment team in its class. The people within that recruitment team, uh, the head of that recruitment team, should be the absolute best at what they do. That's where we are as Celtic Football Club. We can't go out and sign £12 million strikers on Premiership wages, but what we can do is make sure that everything's happening in the back room is done properly and you get the best people in to do it. There is an issue, James, I feel, at the club at the moment, which uh, breeds from nepotism, um, cronyism, and there's people in jobs that aren't there through ability. Now, I would not have an issue if Peter Laurel's son, grandson, cousin, whoever it was, was in a position if they were a spectacular candidate. And I don't think that has been proven by Matt Laurel, head of recruitment, now for four transfer windows. The issue I've got with that is we were in a cycle. And if you just keep the cycle going, then that's great. And then that allows you the luxury of bringing in some players who might just work out at a later date, like Odin Home, for example, or maybe Yang. Um, and, you know, the cycle continues, so you're getting enough quality as well as the, the prospects in, in that window. The, the quality goes right into the team. The prospect might benefit you in 6, 12, 18 months' time. Well, now that, that cycle has broken, it's gone way off track, and we're now facing a situation where, unless all the signings either pick up um, or hit the ground running in regards to the, the, the two new ones, we're going to have a massive, massive rebuild in the summer again. And how on earth do you get to that having won a treble last season, James? That's a huge frustration for me. Yeah, I think um, what you're saying about kind of nepotism at the club, for a club the size of Celtic, like we should be just kind of run a lot better than we are in terms of we should have people in the, the right places that are qualified to do the job. Even Michael Nicholson, I know he was obviously very good when Ange came in. He would have been a lawyer and he's kind of head of football operations. And a lawyer head of football operations probably doesn't make a lot of sense when you, when you look at it like that. Um, you've obviously got, I only found out during the week, um, Craig Strachan is head of scouting, I think was it. And he was manager of a golf shop a few years ago. Um, Mark Law, obviously. I would have actually defended Mark Law when he came in just because mm. um, he would have been obviously working in the City Football Group and we would have had a lot of success kind of taking guys from there, both staff and players. Um, but I think even just kind of forgetting his second name, you, you're judging 
you judge your head of recruitment on who he's brought in and his track record and his track record has been absolutely awful. Like I don't think you can really put it much I can't really put it much better to be honest. Um I think when you're looking back now on Ange and his recruitment, I think Ange probably would have masked a lot of the our success we had in the transfer market in terms of obviously the guys that are still there now. We've got those Maida, Tate, um Kyogo obviously, these are all guys that would have been brought by Ange um, into the club. I think since then there has been very little kind of success on the recruitment front. Um, obviously, the summer transfer window is just kind of an absolute disaster. I know you're talking about project players and stuff, but these guys kind of need to be good enough to come in and, and do a job now. And then they'll obviously, they then, they'll obviously see they have a lot of potential, like obviously Odin Tiago home, um, who... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He's obviously been inconsistent this season, but you can see from him that he has a lot of potential, and he, he, yeah. can, he has the ability to contribute now where... Whereas if you're looking at kind of like a Yang, I would doubt that he's kind of shown enough um, in games to, to say he can contribute now. So, yeah, I think just as a whole, I think you just the club needs to have the right people in the right positions. Um, in particular for a club the size of Celtic, like it's it's a worldwide brand. I think people forget that. And for a club our size to be run kind of so poorly, it's it's just really disappointing and it's hard to kind of put a finger on it. It's kind of madness that the board would kind of rather see us kind of step back rather than evolve, which is just kind of funny, to be honest, that they're so afraid of um, progress or even no. attempting to make progress that they'd rather see the club go backwards, um, which is, it is mental when you look at it from a fan's point of view. Yeah. But even if you're kind of, I know I, I don't want to talk about Rangers, but they're obviously our direct challengers of the league at the moment. If you kind of look at what they're doing, they've obviously got a new head of football operations. Um, I don't know his credentials now, but I'm just kind of going off what the what the news is that, as well as that, they've obviously got a new director of football from PSV Eindhoven, who would have been really successful in the player trading market and kind of have have had some brilliant players over the last number of years and um, through their recruitment. And you look at ourselves still going with Mark Lawless as, as um, head of scouting. We've no director of football, we've no technical director, we've um the structures aren't in place which they need to be for a club of our size and in particular for a club of our size to get better in the Champions League, um, as well as keeping our domestic success going. So yeah, I think obviously I don't want to be too negative, but there needs to be kind of a the club needs to be reshaped in my opinion and they need to keep, become in touch with, with modern football because at the moment we're just not and until we do that, it's just going to be kind of the same cycle of, um, in particular, Mark Law. If Mark Law stays, 
I don't think anyone can say that the signings are going to get any better um, from the amount of signings that we've made that have, have not worked out. No, without a doubt. Now, we do have a new contributor to the Axon team. Um, and because it's obviously the first time that uh, Chris has been on the show, there's been a few technical glitches. That's exactly what happens. And, that you know, you never, ever think for a moment that uh, these things will go without any kind of glitches. We're going to try and bring Chris in. If it doesn't work out this time, we'll sort it out for next week. Uh, but, Chris, are you able to hear us? Can you respond and let us know you want to talk about Celtic? Yes, I can hear you, Paul John. Can you Brilliant. Hear me? Superb. We're, we're rocking. We're cooking with gas. You've came in at the right time, Chris. I mean... Just um, as a wee point to anybody who gets involved in the chat, and by the way, you get to know the avatars, you get to know the names. Chris has been uh, commenting on a regular, would I say a daily basis for some time, actually, Chris, <laughs> to the point where I was like, you know what? Maybe you should just come on the show. This is going to be this is going to be a good time for you just to jump from that comment section onto the screen. Welcome, everybody. What's your avatar? What's your uh, pseudonym? Is it Double Denim, isn't it? it Double it's Denim. Not, I, I, I was going to actually wear the, the, the double denim today. I thought that'd be too, too on the nose. Um, and plus, you know, the, the only downside with denim is it's blue, right? And I thought, I just, I just can't do that for my first, my first show. Um, but yeah, I, I, listen, it's typical, isn't it? Post-deadline day, um, new signing. Uh, and everybody, you know, I'm probably the biggest new signing we've had, let's be honest, after this, <laughs> after this window. That's, that's what you know for a fairly tragic uh, deadline day. But listen, uh, I'll, I'll try and do the usual post-deadline day signing um, spiel here. So first of all, really delighted to be on Axum. Uh, it's the biggest podcast out there. There were lots of other podcasts interested, but when I saw Axum was interested, that was the, the choice. The only for... podcast you ever wanted to uh, be with. That absolutely. Love it. I, I, love it. I, I hope I'll be here for at least five five years and we'll have a lot of success together. So that's the that's the uh, the, the usual uh, deadline day signing spiel. But no. I, I certainly hope Adamida uh, has a better debut than me trying to get connected uh, on here. So apologies for the for the delay, but yeah, really looking forward to being being part of a show. And as you say, I, I know a lot of the guys on the uh, on the chat. Uh, I also know how merciless they can be, so I'm hoping they'll go easy on me uh, today and, and going forward. It's part of the fun, Chris. It's part <laughs> of the fun, and I think the social media thing as well. Um, it's important to have an opinion. Absolutely, try and keep it balanced, but. It's also important to try and hear the views of others, and that's where the comment section is so valuable to us. And I think also on the social media aspect, there's a lot of obviously toxicity, um, particularly on the X platform. Uh, I don't see as much of that on things like Facebook, although the Facebook groups can get a bit uh, grisly at times. So welcome, Chris, to the show. We are going to be talking all things Celtic today. It's the day after the night before. Uh, we've been talking Adam Ida and James, based in Ireland, has been giving us the kind of lowdown on his early part of his career. Yeah. Um, and my take on it, listen, if it's Colin Kazim Richards, if it's Carlton Cole, I welcome them to Celtic. I hope they do well. Some disappoint you, some surprise you. Right, I'm not writing anybody off. I think I'm, I'm looking more at an overview of what, how we're doing business at the moment. The fact that we've got a club who are so stubborn in their approach I think they're antiquated in their approach, whereby I'll get people in that I like rather than people that can do the job. And that, that for me, that favouritism, that nepotism, something that we've touched on. Um, what I wanted in this particular window, Chris, was for Brennan Rodgers to grab it by the scruff of the neck yeah, um, and to have that control. I know people in the comments might say, listen, if you give Brennan control, he'll sign that Phillips. I get it. But you've got to have the manager with a level 
of control. Otherwise, the players that you present them with might not play. And I, I posted this other day, from the summer, had it not been for Carter Vickers getting injured, Lagerbelk was out the door, Telio was out the door, Kwon was out the door. There's yeah. three other players who have not played more than 900 minutes. And then what you're left with? You're left with Bernardo, who's just recently come into the side, Palmer, and uh, Yang. Yang's played over 900 minutes. So it's been a disaster of a summer transfer window, no doubt. But it goes deeper than that. Even when you look at the quality that we lost from last season's team, of the five players that left the building, Yakamakis, Juranovic, Starfelt, Jota and Moy, it's almost like the words of a song. They just roll off the tongue. I've said it that often. The only one that came in under Mark Laurel's watch was Moy. But there's no way I'm giving Mark Laurel credit for that. That's an and signing every day of the week, right? Yeah. So the quality that we've lost has been replaced by quantity. That's the issue. We lose Jota, we bring in four wingers. And we need to have a, an overhaul, Chris. Is it doable at a club like Celtic when we're structured the way we are? Yeah, like I think it was interesting last night where there was a bit of a comparison between uh, the two windows, you know, the summer window and the and the January window, and which one was was worse and, and for what reason. Now, I think the the problem was that we look at the summer window, we had extensive recruitment, we brought in a lot of players, but they were all, and you know, there's that word again, the project signing, right? They were all largely project signing. There wasn't many of them you look at and point and say, yep, they're going to come in and actually tangibly improve on a championship winning team. Or even come in and replace some of the guys we lost, like Jota, Moy, uh, Yakimakis, etc. Um, I think the summer was a catalyst, and I think there's a little bit of leeway towards a manager because he was just coming in. Uh, I think I get the impression some of those signings were in the pipeline already. Maybe he had an element of approval, not 100% sure. But I think the opportunity in January to rectify some of that, um, you know, and, and we've heard Brendan, you know, talk. It's been referenced to death, talking about four quality signings, quality signings. So what is quality, right? What does quality represent? Is quality someone that's going to come in and make a difference two years down the line? Or is quality someone that's going to come in and make a massive difference uh, straight away to the team? Now, for me, I, I view it as a latter. I think that quality should be someone that can come in and make a, a tangible material difference to, the, to that first team. You know, come in. Not necessarily had the ground running, but come in and really look like you can make a contribution, either whether it be through assist, through really hardening defence, or, or being that 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 goal scoring machine up front. Um, so while I think the summer was kind of a catalyst for for what's now happened, I think there was such a missed opportunity in January to to rectify that. You know, getting some players out on loan could be viewed as a success. You know, David Turnbull going probably the right decision, getting two million in from. But listen, you know, we all talk about the, the recruitment strategy and we talk about this element of bringing players in to, uh, you know, maximise their profit and their sale on value and get some some value on, on the field. And look, we've had, we've had a bit of success with Jota, with Matt O'Reilly, will probably eventually fall into that category. But for me, the whole purpose of having that model is you get yourself to a point of financial stability where actually you don't really need to do that anymore. You can actually go out and, and really speculate in, in terms of investing in a player. And we haven't really done that. You know, again, our, our biggest signing is Kuhn, who could very well become good, could be, you know, Jota, you know, Mark II, for example, if we, depending on we see more of them. But three million out of, you know, when we've been selling players for 25 million, it's, it's just, I, I get the reason why we're seeing words like underwhelming, desperation, uh, you know, ineffective, same old, same old 
you know, I get the frustration uh, on the socials and, and, and through the fan groups on, on that. So, yeah, I, for me, I think, yeah, some are pretty much a disaster, but I think it's compounded by what we've seen in January. Right. Well, with regards to the, uh, I don't know if Red Scotland's saying that I have a head like a Dorito. I'm not quite sure who you're talking about. <laughs> uh, right. What I would point out, everybody's entitled to their opinion on podcasts. What we have celebrated just recently is uh, heading towards 15 million views on YouTube. Uh, no other Celtic podcast on the planet has done it. So um, we have a right good community of people tuning in to watch a Celtic state of mind. And uh, we appreciate every single one of them coming in. Um, obviously, you can come and do other things with Axon. You can come and see us live as well. Fully produced videos on the channel every single week, at least once a week. Um, and, yeah, as I say, everybody within the fan base is entitled to their opinion. What we try and do is get as many contributors as possible. Hence the reason Chris is on the show. And I think we now have over 20 voices on Axon, which is important because... We need to have a good cross-section of the fan views on here. There's no script. Chris, you were sent nothing before you appeared on here. There is no script whatsoever. Just just a list of initiations. I've got to do your laundry for a week. Uh, You know, the guy said a tin of tartan paint and a left-handed paintbrush. Absolutely. Absolutely. That goes without saying. Um, We're talking here about recruitment, and I think that when you look down the history of, of Celtic and I uh, last week had the absolute pleasure of being in the presence of in my view because it's all about opinions the best Celtic manager of my lifetime I was born in 1978 um, and I think Mark O'Neill so far has been the best manager I've seen at Celtic Football Club he's the only manager that made me believe we could do something in Europe for example and I know that Gordon Strachan had successes and Neil Lennon had successes in Europe, but, but you know, under O'Neill, I believed we could win a European trophy. I've never felt like that since, unfortunately. But people point to the way he was backed and the fact that, obviously, he came from the uh, the English game. It was the only game he knew, you know, since uh, joining Nottingham Forest as a kid from distillery. He had been based in English football. He primarily bought from the English game. I know there was Juice Valharan and Bobo Baldi, etc., but generally, he bought from uh, the market that he knew, it was an expensive market. The players didn't really have any selling value, if you think about it. You know, Hartson, and Thompson, um, who else? Chris Sutton, uh, you know, Neil Lennon. We didn't make money off of Mark O'Neill's signings, did we? Uh, so we approached it differently. And the players he brought in were on big wages as well. But the point I keep coming back to is we had a much smaller squad. If you look at the season that uh, Mark O'Neill comes in, he wins the treble in his first campaign. Unbelievable. Um, we, I think only 18 players played 20 or more games for Celtic in that season. So we had a smaller squad, bigger wages per player, smaller squad, quality over quantity. And then in the aftermath of that, you've got a period of downsizing. Gordon Strachan done a remarkable job uh, with much lesser funds. He really did. Probably scouring different markets helped him, you know, bringing in Boric and, and Nakamura and that kind of thing. Uh, Dewey probably didn't work um, as well for Gordon Strang. But what happened there is that for a period, not even a five years under O'Neill, probably for a period of two or three years, we spent big. And then there was a period of consolidation after that where we had to tighten our belts, etc. And every so often, I think you're in a cycle where you need to do that. You need to put your money on the pitch rather than stockpile it in the bank. And at this moment in time, 
two factors. The first one, we have a real challenge. That That's massive. We have a real challenge. The second one, the Champions League format. If we don't get into the Champions League groups next season as Champions of Scotland, then the financial swing the other way is huge. It's a game changer. So if there was ever a season to do that, and I don't mean buying five players at 10 million quid each. What I'm saying is, we've brought in 11. Why not bring in the five? Why not replace the five guys of quality that we lost last season, like for like? And if every signing is as big as Jota and Carter Vickers or Chris Julien or Odson Edward, absolutely invest in those guys yeah. and bring five of them in instead of 11. James, that seems simplistic, but surely that could have been done. Yeah, but you're clear when you're kind of touching on um, how big a season this one is in terms of the Champions League qualification. Like, it's the first time ever we probably, uh, first time in a good few years that, <clears throat> sorry, we've a, we have a serious challenge on our hands at Rangers. Um, they've obviously they've obviously went and invested um, invested this window um, with view to trying to win the league and and kind of battle back some of that Champions League prize money next year. Um, and I think in particular this January, um, you can say what you want kind of about the summer transfer window. They've obviously I think they probably know themselves that it was it was an ultimate failure. But this January transfer window, um, like Chris was saying, there was a real chance to kind of rectify it and and bring in a couple of guys. I don't think we're talking about huge fees here, but really try and invest into that squad and, and make sure that we kind of have all bases covered if we if we do get injuries and stuff, um, just to give us the, the maximum um, opportunity to go win the league and, and get Champions League football again. And I just think they just they obviously haven't done that. And it, it is baffling, like, um, in terms of... You're kind of putting the league up to chance now in terms of if you compare kind of squad quality with ourselves and Rangers. It is, it is very even. Um, and in particular, just depth with ourselves obviously a left back is the, the glaring issue with Taylor not bringing in a left back I think is is just gross negligence to be honest um, not bringing in a left back or a goalkeeper in, in the last two windows is I don't even know what to call it it's just it's madness to be honest um, the two most glaring weaknesses in the team not being addressed two windows in a row is just kind of utter gross negligence as I said um, but yeah I think it's it's really, um, it's really brave decision by the board. Well, not brave, a stupid decision by the board to not invest into this team um, heading into the last few months of the season, just with, with what's on offer and and kind of how Rangers have invested and how the gap is not as big as it was um, last season. Yeah. Now, what you'll find very quickly, Chris, is there is no hiding place on Axon. You will have people who come in and view it every single day, but still come in and say, oh, by the way, you're only my fourth favourite Celtic podcast. That's fine. I could take that on my chin. Thankfully, not my chins. I've been watching what I've been doing since the turn of the year. Now, um, James has a, a, an inbuilt fan in his laptop that obviously cools it down. And uh, the amount of people that are coming on telling him to switch the Hoover off, um, or, or maybe his mum's doing the laundry. Um, there's a bit of drilling going on. Uh, I, thought, I, I, thought, I thought it was Lewis Hamilton doing laps. Maybe a bit of Peloton bike going off. Or maybe even a washing machine. There is no hiding place, Chris. This is the point on Axon. <laughs> Absolutely none whatsoever. Um, but yeah, I mean, people, it's not a knee-jerk reaction, right? Because if you look at where we've been in the near history as a football club, Chris, people will point to quadruple treble, nine in a row, etc. Et Absolutely, right? Treble last season. But there comes a point when you think, what's next for Celtic? Because 
even if, and, and James mentioned earlier, going backwards, even if you stand still, you're going backwards. If yeah. you've got a challenger, and this season we do, the challenger three seasons ago showed their hand that they that they were a challenger. They won the league. They stopped us from winning 10 league titles in a row. And I think there's a complacency, Chris, right? We don't generally talk about Rangers as a rule. Why would we? There's enough to talk about at Celtic. I like to look at our own backyard and sort out the issues that we have yeah. as a football club. But they are our main challenger. And it's all about, you know, this January transfer window, because of the nature of the last one, had to be right. Every player that came in had to fill those gaps. And I don't think we've done that, particularly goalkeeper and left-back has been an issue for long enough. We tried to address the issue with Segrist and Burnaby. That's how long this has been an issue, Chris. And and what I'm asking, and the question is on there, and it's not going to be very popular with the club who don't like us to go studs up, but listen, at the end of the day, Chris, it's about opinions, isn't it? Um, is what do we, Where do we go from here? Because it's not working. It's not just one window. It's four windows now where we've not been bringing in the same level of quality. Kobayashi, I was waiting on a tweet last night about the whereabouts of Kobayashi. Where is he? What does the future hold? I tell you, he's not going to be at Celtic Park. James McCarthy. We get offered an out on James McCarthy where someone is willing to pay something off his wages. Get him out and play football for six months. No, what we'll do, right, we'll keep him here and pay him 100% of his wages and he'll play for the B team now and again. Something has to be done. What can be done, though, Chris? This is the big question. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting one because, um, and, and look, I get it, right? In the last 10, 15 years, etc., we've, we've been really spoiled in terms of on-field on success with the, with the odd exceptional season here and there. And, and we always seem to drop it when there's the most at stake, a la 10 in a row or, or this season, potentially with the, with the Champions League money on um, on offer. But look, I remember back to the to when the other team, you know, when the when Rangers were, were doing the nine in a row and uh, during the nineties, and we had uh, who I think is one of the best managers uh, we've, we've ever had in terms of his profile and, and his commitment to the club and actually style of football and, and Tommy Burns. Um, and I thought, you know, for the the three seasons he was there, I thought we played some of the best football we're, we'd ever seen, and that, that was the year I was growing up in. So. You know, going to the games, even though we weren't top in the league, the, the football on offer was incredible. And actually, there was there was a, I think maybe partly due to Tommy, partly due to the football on offer, uh, there was an element of forgiveness within the fans for for not winning or or, or not taking the titles off Rangers. Um, obviously, that came to a head. We then you know brought in Van Janssen. We 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 stopped them getting the ten. You know, discovered or brought in Henrik Larsson and 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 you know started to build the success towards the Martin O'Neill years where really we 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 took off with that domestic dominance. But I think the th- the thing is when when you get success, you've got to build on it, right? You set the foundations and you set the benchmark, right? And and you've got to then build on that. And look, how do you measure progress? But winning the league every year is great, but but you know we can only go so far. You, you can't go higher than first position. You can build up your points gap to your nearest rival which more often than not is going to be Rangers um, but 
I think we we need to start looking at okay, how else can we can we measure our progress? Well, we've got Europe, right? We've got the Champions League now. Nobody's saying we're going to go in and, and win the Champions League. We're, we're not in that position. We're not we're not fishing in in, in that market for uh for for players uh, the way you know the Man Cities and the you know the the, the Real Madrids and Juventus are for example. But what we want to be is competitive. We don't want to be the whipping boys in the Champions League either. We want to qualify consistently. We want to get into the group stage. We want to get the you know a couple of wins. Maybe the shorter term progress is getting into the Europa League and doing a strong run through to the later stages, maybe even a final to the Europa League. But trying to build towards becoming an established competitive group team within the Champions League, maybe getting to the back to the days of uh, you know Strachan and Lennon where we actually get to the last sixteen. I think at the moment it's just it's just slipping away from us because we're, we're we're just a bit stagnant, we're a bit stale. And recruitment and and the the you know the the transfer model, I, I, I think you're right. What we shouldn't be doing is stockpiling players. What we should be doing is trying to augment the strongest players in our team, build the team around them. Yeah, look, we'll, we'll, we'll probably sell Matt O'Reilly and get a massive profit for it. Me, given our financial position, I would rather keep them and build a team around guys like that. You know, and and, and have that spine of our team. You know, the the Cutter Vickers, the the O'Reillys, the Kyogos. Just get the benefit of having those guys in there. And if there's a couple of maybe positions that are more easily replaced, we sell them on, get the profit, keep them, keep the model rolling. But there has to be a balance, right? There has to be a balance of progress on the pitch, progress and measuring ourselves in Europe, maintaining that dominance in ASPL and stopping Rangers getting closer. I mean, we were, what were we, eight, nine points clear at one point this season? We've allowed them back in. We've allowed yeah. them back in. And it's, and it's negligent. It's negligent from a recruitment standpoint, you could maybe point to somebody to the manager. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Brendan Rodgers. I was a big fan uh, of him in his previous run. But even I'm looking at some of the, the decisions. I'm thinking, you know, is his heart still in it? Is he is he still, you know, has he got the backing of the team, or is he is he coasting to just get us over the line and then and then maybe maybe take a walk? So, so I think you've you've got to be realistic how you measure progress, right? Let's be realistic about where we stand in the in in, in the football food chain. There shouldn't be any reason why we can't build and continue, continue sorry, and build our dominance in the, in the SPL. But we need to start seeing just measurable progress in Europe. Not not big substantive leaps straight away, but each year on year that we qualify, let's make sure one that we qualify, two that we uh, that, that we're competitive in the group league. And you know, if we do get beat, let's make it sure it's we get beat because. We were beaten by the better team, but we actually gave it a real go and we, we show that we've got the quality to compete at that level. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well said on your first appearance on a Celtic State of Mind. Uh, I'm going to bring this up because, you know what, <clears throat> it's great just to go online and say things, but I really need you to back this up. We'll recourse 67. Axom are board sympathisers. Of course we are, yes. Let me just point you in the direction of a couple of episodes in the past, right? Tell me how sympathetic we were to the Celtic board on the 2nd of May 2021 when the headline read Desmond and Lovell. Desmond, called him by his first name. Yeah. Peter was called by his second name. This this shambles is on you and it's time to do something about it. Uh, 3rd of May 2021, Desmond and Lovell slept at the wheel, failed to act, continue to ignore the fans. Oh, we are sympathising with them big time here. And then we've got on the 4th of May 2021, Peter Lowell, how can Celtic progress if he stares at the club? All right. 
So come on, give me some examples. Rico sixty seven. Why I mean, we I'm, are board sympathizers? Come on. Uh, I mean, Paul, Paul John, just to put some context on this and, and hopefully we're not maybe sharing this, but just just to frame this a little bit, if you think the Axum team are, are board sympathizers. Jerry Taylor, I know, is trying to source as many inflatable sharks as he possibly can right now for the Axon team. So uh, if that doesn't tell you that we're not on the side of the board at the moment, then I, I, I don't know what does. It's just a nonsense statement. But you get that now in the modern day where everybody's got a phone in their pocket, people just say things, but you've got to back them up. I mean, where are you getting this from? Um, the way I look at the Celtic board is that it's dysfunctional. The way the club is run at the moment, we are the biggest fish, just to use the run with your, your uh, shark analogy. We are the biggest fish in a very, very small goldfish bowl of Scottish football. Um, and we are, for me, too cautious to take it any further, to get out of that goldfish bowl and make it a bigger club, a bigger brand, more successful, do something in Europe. And every single time we get to a point, then it's almost as if we retreat. There's, there's too much caution. Um, we're dysfunctional when a manager is asking for one thing and then he's being delivered with something else. A manager is inheriting nine or or maybe eight signings. I'll give him that, Phillips. The manager is inheriting eight signings and then claiming them as his own at an AGM. This is dysfunctional. It's dysfunctional to have a chairman whose son is the head of recruitment with no track record of being uh, some kind of guru within that field. That is just not workable. Um, so, yeah, we're not sympathisers. I think that is the point I'm trying to make. Brown Warrior, uh, this is a good point. An accountant by trade, he was brought back to clear the debt from the Martin O'Neill area. We're talking about Peter Lowell. Um, we were £30 million in the hole. We were, after Seville, in a situation where Peter Lowell had to come in and obviously tighten our belts. What I would say to that, though, is leading up to that point, compared to where we are now, is completely different. We are in a position where, and I'm not saying go and spend £30 million. I mean, listen, we spent £20 million in the summer. Go and spend £30 million. Um, if we are spending that money, I want three players, maybe four players for that kind of money. We can do it now. This is the difference. you know. And then there would be perhaps a period of consolidation. My point, the point that I made the other day, Martin O'Neill, since he left the club, there has been 18 seasons. We won the league 14 times. We've won five doubles, five trebles, a quadruple treble. Nine in a row. We got to the group stages five times. We progressed a further three times into the last 16. That is the aftermath of having a strong backbone of a team that you've invested in. Uh, Rangers capitulated during that period, as we know. At this moment in time, we're not putting the money on the field. And it shows. It absolutely shows. That's why we're in a title fight. Stop moaning and accept it, troops. Make it easier. I'm going to take that, Stevie Boy. I'm going to run with that one because what I'm now saying is we are where we are. Brendan Rodgers needs to basically lick his wounds, whatever he's feeling, because his energy's been completely different in the press conferences recently. And he needs to run with what he's got. And he needs to get the best out of these talismanic figures that we know can do a great job, like Matt O'Reilly, Callum McGregor, Kyogo, Scatter Vickers and Hitati when they're back. And he needs to basically do his job now. And there's no more room for moaning and giving away cryptic messages in press conferences, James. It's now on Brendan to get the job done. Yeah, I think obviously the, the window's over now and uh, we just kind of have to accept it, as you said. Um, I think if you're going to look at that starting 11, just from that alone, we do have the quality to go and win this league title. It's just kind of beyond that. That is, um, 
that is the worry. But listen, I think Rogers puts out his starting eleven. Um, it's more than more than strong enough to go and go on a winning run in the next couple of weeks and kind of get the fans back on track. It's just the worry that if we do go slip up, I think the the atmosphere will change or will not change. But the atmosphere will be toxic, which is the worry. But yeah, I think Rogers he obviously knows what he has to work with now over the the, the next few months. Um, he was kind of he was good with that in the first few months of the season, where I think you could see from his press conferences, his body language, he was probably unhappy with the recruitment done in the summer. But he kind of all the talk was about kind of getting on with it in press conferences. And um, well, not all, but most of the talk, and um, kind of focusing on the training pitch and trying to develop these guys that've been brought in for him. And uh, that's just what he's going to have to do over the next few months. He's obviously talked about kind of bringing through young talent to the club as well, the likes of Rocco Vata, Daniel Kelly. Um, kind of t- talking about them and how he kind of wants to in- really integrate them into the first team picture, and um, which is another positive. And hopefully that can kind of um, develop over the next few months because if if there's one thing that can kind of really feed energy back into the, into fans and into a playing uh, into a playing squad, it's it's kind of these guys from the academy coming up just gives everyone kind of a bit of a boost seeing them progress to the first team. So yeah, listen, I think Rogers Rogers will know now. He has a squad settled for him. There's no more kind of. Um, no more speculation around players. He'll know what he has to do over the next few months to get the job over the line. And I think going off just to start an eleven, um, we definitely have the quality to to really um, go in the league title. Yeah, I I actually think that in a manager like Brendan Rodgers, when he's you know he's got the fire in his belly and he's all guns blazing, he can get the best out of this group of players and he can win the league. There's been issues this season that I think do concern me. Um, you know, when you look at Kyogo, for example, and the way that he's not been utilised, uh, and, and, you know, he should be absolutely, for me, be the star man for Brennan Rodgers, because he's the guy, as I say, with two pieces of magic, magic against Rangers this season, that is the difference between the two clubs, really, if you look at the two victories that we've had against Rangers, both at Celtic Park and Ibrox. We should work our attacking formation, shape, style, tempo, around Kyogo. That's what we should do. Talking about building your team around O'Reilly, which I agree with as well. Up top, as an offensive uh, force, Kyogo's your man. Build your team around him. That's something Brendan needs to adapt to. By the way, Jungle Lion, do you reckon the board listen to these shows? Uh, and going back to uh, our friend earlier who says we're a bunch of board sympathizers, one of my favourite taglines was on the 1st of December 2020. I've got them all here. Do Celtic only engage with fans when there's merch and season tickets to sell? There you go. Um, and we, we did ask at one point um, for an interview with the, the then CEO, but uh, we got knocked back on that one. So, no, we're no board sympathisers. We love Celtic Football Club. We want to see the best for the club. It's as simple as that. So if there's a player that doesn't do it for you or if there's a manager who's not doing his job properly or there's a CEO that you're unimpressed by or a head of recruitment, then we call it out. That's what we do. We're football fans. Uh, Plunge McNugget and you come. PJ, are all the acts on team away grilling Brendan? <laughs> that way you have brought... The reason I brought this one up is um, Chris and I, we met at one of the acts on live events, Red Scotland. Please come along, say hello. Um, they happen monthly and uh, Chris and I met a recent one. I can see on your, your shelf there, uh, Johan Mialbe. Yeah. Signed, signed uh, print behind you. And basically, we, we discussed it then. It was the same with, with Lloyd Patrick Jepson. I met him at one of our live events, asked you along, asked to, to become part of the team. Um, the way, I've had a few queries about this on social media today, the way that the um, fan media uh, at the press conference works is every so often, I think twice a season, we get a, a rotor. And you get every single fixture, and what they'll tell you is, right, 
these two fan media platforms are in on the pre-match, which is normally on a Friday for the weekend, and these guys are in on the post-match, which you're at the game, you actually get into the post-match. So we get that in advance um, because a lot of people are saying the board sympathisers will be in the press conference today. Now, it's just your luck. It's just your absolute Donald Duck as to who is in the press conference today. Axom is not in it, unfortunately. Um, although we are in the press conference to welcome Adam Ida to the club, James McKenzie, uh, as we speak, is in that one. Um, Robert Highland reminds us Peter Lowell was at Celtic working under Terry Cassidy in 1991. He left and then returned as a CEO. Um, and he was in charge of all non-football operations. That was uh, his job description. I think that maybe changed over the years. Um, Robert Highland, all I can say about CCV is that I was watching the training session footage um, and I didn't see him involved. Now, that doesn't mean to say he won't be in the squad for Saturday, but I was watching the training and I was looking at the photographs from training today and I didn't see Carter Vickers, uh, unfortunately. Maestro, here's the next point of conversation. And I'm going to ask you your thoughts on this one, Chris, right? So the fractured nature of the relationship between the Green Brigade and the board came to the fore like nothing before, I would say, this season. Obviously, there's been issues in the past. I remember they were banned for certain games. But this season, it all came to a head and the board put them on the naughty step for a number of games. And as a fan base, if you needed reminded, I think what you've seen during those games where they were absent is what they bring to the stadium, the atmosphere, etc. But one of the things about them, Chris, is I'm not going to say they're anti-board. What they will do is they'll call anything out that they're unhappy with. Yeah. And and that's what they'll do. They have been quiet. Do you expect anything to happen? Because we're talking about a message. What type of message? So normally it's some kind of protest or it's a banner display. Do you expect the Green Brigade to be making any type of protest this weekend? Uh, I'd be surprised if they if they didn't. To be honest, I mean, look, I, I'm personally on the side. I, I'm a big fan of the uh, the Green Brigade, but not at the expense of other fans. I want to I want to caveat that. I think everybody that takes the time and spends the money to go and watch Celtic, and you know, people that travel across from Ireland and, and further afield, I think you know everyone should be equally as valued as as fans. But with with that said. Some of what the Green Brigade do, you know, charity work, work with the foundation, you know, the homeless, absolutely fantastic. In terms of the atmosphere uh, at, at the games, I mean, they do generate a huge part of it. Um, you, you know, everybody signs in a stadium, pretty much every game I go to, you know, regardless of what section you're at, people do stand up, they cheer, they do the better. The Green Brigade just, they, you know, they go all out for it. And I, I think it's important to, to recognise that. Um I'm not a huge fan of some of the, 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 the protests generally because I don't like to see anything that damages the club. And, I, and by club, I don't mean the board, right? I've got no interest in the board. But I, I don't like to see anything that kind of, you know, brings a negative light to the to, to the club. Now, I don't think the Green Brigade have done that this season at all. I think what we've stood up for, um, I won't, I tend not to be political, but, you know, what they've stood up for in terms of the conflict out in, out in Gaza, um, you know, that for me is not defiance. That for me is a, a group of people standing up for something that they actually care about and they want to see their club represented in the right way. Um, but first and foremost, I think the Green Brigade, you know, they're a group of supporters. They care about the club, the team, the product on the pitch, winning games, winning trophies. Uh, you know, they're, they're just like the rest of us in that front. And I've got no doubts that the, the Green Brigade are... Equally, if, if not more frustrated than I am with what's been happening, and uh, 
And I think that the lack of communication, right? I mean, you know, if we look at our board, you, we're looking at our board and we're making assumptions that they're businessmen, they're strategists, they're guys who've got a bit of pedigree in, in terms of running a, a company or a business or a successful financial operation, right? So they're not unintelligent. Why can't they just open dialogue with the Green Brigade and say, look, we get what you want to do. Here's our concerns about it. Can we sit down and work out some sort of compromise? Maybe we can support some of the protests. Maybe we can do some stuff outside the stadium where we're not going to get hammered by UEFA, but we can still get the message across something. Just be adult about it. you know. And, and, and it drives me, me crazy. But at the moment, it seems like the board have set their stall out to say, no, Green Brigade, enemy. You'll do what we tell you. We'll put you in your place. You know, don't come up against us, otherwise there'll, there'll be consequences. And the consequences could be we're going to lock you at the stadium and, you know, therefore, you know, that hampers the, the the product on the pitch, it, you know, damages the atmosphere, it causes divisions within the support. So I think, but the Green Brigade, for their own merits, you know, aren't, you know, they're not afraid to actually stand up and say, well, hang on, you know, stick two fingers up to the board and say, we're going to do it. I mean, we saw that with the Palestinian flags come in. We saw it with some of the, some of the banners. So I, I reckon, yeah, there's potential at the Green Brigade if, if not this weekend, but certainly over the course of the season, if results don't, you know, aren't successful, if we're not really making a good push for this for this title, I think the Green Brigade will get antsy, and I think they'll, they'll, they'll likely make their feelings very pointed towards the board. You know, how what form that will take, I don't know. Um, I, I, my wish is that hopefully they do it safely and they do it in the in the right manner. But um, but yeah, I can see them. I can see them getting getting frustrated and and directing that that angst towards the board, as it were. I think what's also important is I refer back to when A Celtic State of Mind started to uh, broadcast as a podcast as it was back in 2017. Uh, and Kevin Graham, during that period, obviously, we were in the, the midst of nine in a row and Kevin Graham was pointing out the feelings of the board. And at that time, he got dogs abuse from a, a section of our audience because it was almost as if you're, you're acting uh, entitled, you're spoiled. We're winning. Um, why are you concerned? But there's issues within the club when, and I keep saying it, Alison and Wilson have got a combined, um, when when you look at their service at Celtic, they've got a combined time and tenure in the boardroom of 40 years. How can you possibly do that and still have a vibrant, diverse, creative board? You just can't. You just can't. It becomes an echo chamber. And then when you get people who stand up to them or make their feelings known, we are just a bunch of ruffians. What do you know about recruitment? What do you know about running a football club or a business? Well, yeah. let's be honest, that's 70 million quid. Um, they'll think, oh, we generated that, player trading models, etc. The vast majority of the money that goes to Celtic, if you take away good business deals on players in the Champions League, though, comes from Celtic fans. So obviously we should have a voice and we should be listened to um, as a fan base. Uh, Paddy Lavery, here you go. Here's a nice wee bit of positivity. It looks like the Axon <laughs> transfer window has trumped the Celtic one. There you go. Um, as I say, <laughs> some people might be surprised by what our new signings do. I'm going to ask you, James, looking at the fixtures this weekend, Celtic are facing an Aberdeen team who are going through a, a sticky patch. Their manager list at the moment, Barry Robson, got his jotters during the week. Great start he did uh, when he was doing it as an interim manager. Came across really well, Barry Robson, likeable guy. Loved him as a Celtic player, a bit of a cult player uh, when he came in. Nothing sulky. Loved getting stuck in. Uh, scored against Barcelona. Scored in his debut so against it, Aberdeen, it as it was. Free kick, wasn't it? I remember it was a free kick. It was a That's crack. right. Yeah. The Barcelona goal was a bizarre header that kind of looped 
over. Uh, we got beat three two that day. But that yeah, that we had that game. That that game? It's, it's an oft forgotten one that because we've had some great games against Barca. So we're playing uh, Aberdeen at the weekend. Couple of bodies in the door. Couple of bodies out the door. James uh, and a few injuries to boot with Taylor, Carter Vickers perhaps, and Hatati. How do we line up? How do we line up against Aberdeen, James? Let's move on from the recruitment chat. Talk about the weekend game. What's your start, eleven? Yeah, I think um, it's probably a nice one to come back in with Aberdeen. Um, obviously struggling a lot at the moment. Uh, no permanent manager there. Uh, I think Aberdeen really underachieved the season for the talent they have on the pitch. Um, in terms of how we're going to line up, I think it's picks itself really a lot of positions. Um, obviously Hart and Goal, Johnson, no Taylor at left back. And I think Frame has picked up an injury as well. So I think the only viable option there is probably Bernabe again. Um, unless you want to kind of switch Ralston over to left back. Um, and Carter Vickers, I think Carter Vickers out injured as well. Am I right in saying that? Potentially, uh, although Potentially, not confirmed. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's likely going to be Naraki and Scales then. Um, centre back pair and midfield, obviously. Um, probably one of the, the more positive notes over the last um, couple of months with uh, Bernardo's form. I think O'Reilly, O'Reilly, Bernardo, um, McGregor, kind of um, pretty straightforward pick there. And then in the attack, obviously got Kyogo who. Um, I know Paul was saying there, he's kind of struggled for form this season, but when he's on it, we know the quality he can bring, and if we can just kind of improve our, our play in those uh, wide areas, I think he can really get back into the form we saw last year. So I think it's obviously a bad uh, Kyogo, and then you're kind of picking between Maida and Palma, and kind of depends on what Rodgers really want out of the Aberdeen game. Obviously Maida will provide us a lot of pace, and Palma probably with just a bit more quality in the final third. Um, so yeah, I think Largely, it's a team that picks itself, and I don't think Rogers really has the options at the moment with a couple of injuries to kind of surprise anyone with what team he goes with. And um, I think it's, as I said, it's probably a nice one to kind of get back into with um, Aberdeen really struggling. And yeah, I think listen, if if we'll obviously um, we always obviously know that we have the quality to go and beat Aberdeen. So uh, yeah, listen, I think whatever team Rogers goes with, um, it's obviously going to be good enough, and hopefully we can kind of get back onto a bit of a positive note with a win at the weekend. Yeah, positivity. Uh, Michael McDonald, I don't know if you're the Michael McDonald. How many boards are you a member of? I don't know if you're having a discussion in the comments or if that is at me, and I'm also not sure if I was called Dorito Head earlier on. However, these things can get mixed up in the translation. I'll tell you something, it takes a lot to, to really knock me off my stride when it comes to name calling, so try harder. But how many boards and I'm, am I a member of? I know how a board a board works, Michael. Absolutely, yes. I have been involved um, in that level with uh, business, uh, and I'm aware of how it works, absolutely. And I also think that when you've got um, people in a board who, you know, it's all about backslapping for me, you know. that I always go back to the Ian Bankier moment where he let it slip, what his view was, and, and then you start to think, is this the view of everybody at that level at the club? We can't compete in Europe. That that was his view. We just can't compete. So why bother? It was kind of like what you took from that. We'll just go and get the money. And then you hear a comment from Peter Lovell. We're keeping that money there just in case we don't get into the Champions League. Well, by keeping it there, we might not get in the Champions League. So <laughs> it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, and I think that Celtic fans, football fans in general, are, are very much dumbed down by the media and by directors of football clubs as if we don't know what we're talking about. Uh, and I think that 
you shouldn't underestimate the Celtic fan base when it comes down to it because we do not miss a trick. Uh, go right back to those photocopied pages of the Not Review in the 1980s, and I'll tell you something. In 1987, they were talking about what happened in 1994. So I would never, ever underestimate the Celtic fan base. And there are many better voices than I when it comes to how the club should go forward. But I definitely have a view on it. Um, I think when I'm looking at this weekend, we do need a bounce. Because sometimes you can get that from new signings coming in. I do think we need something, an injection. And obviously we've got um, a few injuries as well. In terms of the wingers, when I look at uh, the situation with the wingers, we went into that window with Palmer who is dividing opinion at the moment. Uh, Abada, off form, Maeda at the Asian Cup, Yang, Asian Cup, Tilio, out on loan, James A. Forrest, you can leave. Oh, look, you're still here. We might play you. Mikey Johnson, out on loan, uh, and Nicolas Kuhn as well. Haksabanovic yet to come back at the end of the season. Um, I can see Kuhn starting. I think Kuhn will start. I, I don't think either will get a start this weekend, Chris, but I do reckon it's time. Listen, Kuhn, can you go. Uh, my big concern really is about how we, we deal with uh, Taylor. Who do we put at left back? I, I was going to say that, that that's that's the, the the key concern at the moment. I mean, I think the I think the other three positions at the back pick themselves. You're going to have AJ at, at the right back. You only have scales, I would imagine, uh, Narochki. Uh, but I'm sure I say that right. Some of the guys will slaughter me if I don't. Um, and it's who who goes into the left back position, assuming he plays the same formation, because the guys will tell you I've been crying out for three five two for about three years. But uh, assuming we're going with the usual for tried and tested formation, is it going to be Anthony Ralston? Is it going to be um, you know we're going to see somebody coming in out of position to play there? I even seen somebody mention a water at one point on his back in training, but I think it'd be too yes, he's soon back, for yeah. I think it'd be too soon for him to come in. My my feeling is I think. AJ is uh, not AJ. Sorry, uh, Tony Ralston is the uh, uh, is the sort of reliable choice, right? He's played there once before. I think he did okay, you know, without without being outstanding. Uh, he's probably the solid choice. The other option you've got is moving scales over to left back. You know, I know we signed them. I think as a as a left back, but you know, and uh, James is probably more insight on this than, than I have. But I don't I, I don't like upsetting uh, a settled a player who's settled in a position and for me he's made the centre-back position his own so who goes into that left-back position if you're not prepared to, to move scales and I think Tony Ralston's kind of the only one I would I'd probably feel comfortable with or did Bernabe do enough I mean didn't didn't set the, the world on fire uh, the last game but he is a left-back right supposedly so maybe maybe give him another shot maybe more football will we'll, you know give him a give him a wee incentive to go and, go and play well um a couple of things I'm, I'm concerned about. I mean, you talk about we need galvanise, we need the bounce at the moment. Sometimes teams that lose a manager or, or change their manager, okay, I don't think they've got anyone in yet, can get galvanised a little bit by uh, by the change of manager. So I'm a bit worried that Aberdeen might turn up and actually have a real go at us. So I want us to be on, a, on our game. So hopefully, you know, if the left-back position is sorted, I would agree with you. I think Kuhn would, would be a good choice to come in. Palma's biggest criticism for me, and I've seen it echoed by a lot of people, is his inability to go back past players, get to the byline and get that ball across to, to Kyogo and get that quick distribution. So funnily enough, at the last game, part of the two penalty miss, he did do, there was a couple of moments where he did actually take a couple of players on, bit of skill, bit of trickery, and he got past and he got through and was able to drive in on goal. I think if he could do more of that, it, it would start to get the fans more on side. But yeah, I, I think just to... just. 
partly through curiosity and partly because I, I really want to, you know, I want someone's got that pace and that position. I'd like to see Kuhn come in and play on the left side and, you know, I think as James said, a bad on the right. Uh, and for goodness sake, if we can just get the ball to Kyogo. Uh, the wee man's not blameless. I'd like to see him, you know, come for the ball a wee bit more and, and, and try and get more involved in the play and, and not just do those forward and back runs. But, I mean, you know if you get the ball to him, nine times out of ten he's going to put it in the net. So we've got to try and bring him into the, bring him into the game. And we need... O'Reilly and Bernardo to keep up the, the, the form they had prior to the last game in terms of goal scoring and assists. So, um, yeah, I think the, the team largely picks itself, but the two, the left side is the uh, the two question marks. I think, you know, does Kuhn come in for Palmer and does uh, does, does Ralston or Bernabe play in the left back position? Absolutely. That, they, they're the big debate, shall we? And for me, when I look at the wingers, Palma has been getting a lot of stick. I, I gauge it on socials, I, I gauge it on the comments coming through. He's been getting a lot of stick, but I think he, he was better, more involved than a badder. I can't give a badder a free pass on it, unfortunately. So I would say Palmer keeps his place. Take him off the penalties, absolutely. And bring yeah. in Kuhn for a start. Stick with your midfield. He'll go up top. In defence, um, I didn't like... By the way, I don't know if you know, James set up the Liam Scales Appreciation Society. He's, never, yeah. Said, yeah. he's never said a bad word about Scales. I didn't like him as a left-back, uh, but there were moments, I remember, the, the overlap to set up Tony Ralston. I'm sure, no, wait a minute. What goal was it? Was it Tony Ralston against Source County? He set up the first goal it was against Source County with the overlap. Liam Scales away in the same game that Ralston scored the late winner. Um, so he can do it. I think the fact that he's got the confidence now of being a first pick, which he has been all season, might feed into the fact that you would, you would trust him more on the left-hand side. The physicality aspect for me is, is key. Uh, I think we need to have more of a physical presence at left back. Ralston can do that. He's a sturdy yep. unit. Um, so either or, I'd be happy with. If indeed he picks Liam Scales on the left, it then opens up this, this area at centre half. Navroski would be my first choice, followed by Welsh, but we don't know about the fitness, the fitness of Carter Vickers. Um, thank you, every single one of you. Gerard from Celtic Down Under, it's an absolute pleasure to have you popping in we don't have a left back so play three at the back with Scales, Navroski and AJ put another centre mid in yeah, I'd love to see it yeah, I, I, I was kind of hinting at that against Ross County at home against a poor side try it out and then you go in against Aberdeen and then Hibs yeah. you know, and you know that it might work so thank you for that and contributing to the channel as well um, Dermot, I was doing well until I mentioned that get back here, listen <laughs> The funniest thing about back here was the day that I somehow, because I'm a board apologist, I was in the boardroom one day um, and I took my da. I managed to get two tickets and I took my da. And it was the day that Sviachenko was uh, paraded to the Celtic crowd, right? I've still got a great picture of him with my old man. And uh, Sviachenko, because you've got a suit on, or, or, otherwise you wouldn't get in, thought we were somebody uh, who involved with the club and they were talking to us. And in the background was Bankier who stood and he didn't know how to interrupt. And he just stood there. The chairman of the football club didn't interrupt us. Fiatchenko had no clue who the old guy was. Um, and eventually got about 30 seconds with him before we went back out for the second half. So, yeah, Ian Van Keer, he's away, isn't he? So uh, we should be moving on. Daniel F, they've gambled on 60 million. It's simply unacceptable by our inept board. There is no forward-thinking board members at our club, says Maestro. 95, the sound of Mark Lowell shredding scouting reports, that's when young James came on and there was a wee buzz in the background, a buzz, not like the Pomix Day one, 
uh, Brown Warrior, getting away with it all messed up. Listen, if you're going to come in with a James Lyric, you're always going to come up on the screen. And Stephen Sloan, good to see you, pal. How's Brendan going to spin this at today's presser? I'm not a big fan of Brendan. His football is turgid at times, but I do feel a bit sorry for him at this moment in time. We will find out soon enough, Stephen. Thank you to you and everybody else involved in the chat. Yes, we are top of the league. couple of players in the door. Quality manager at the helm. Can we do it in the second half of the season? I think it's within us to do it, uh, but we just need to remain calm and hopefully make the changes back um, in the backroom area that we need to make to ensure that the next transfer window is more successful than the last four. A great debut, I'm sure you will agree, from uh, Chris, a.k.a. Double Denim. Thank you for joining us on the show, sir. Thank you to James French. We'll see you again tomorrow before the game, 30 minutes before kickoff or a Celtic State of Mind. Podcast Network.